Brian Windhorst, I don't know if you realize this, but the last time you are on the show, NBA free agency had not even started yet. Yeah, the league is slightly different from late June until here in late October, but that's what we love about the NBA. We've seen a, a ton happen, uh, but the developments were not really actually related to free agency. There's contract stuff happening. There's trades going all over the place. There's superpowers becoming even super powery. You know, what have we seen? Yeah, well, I think we've seen the creation of several teams who in many years of the last two decades would feel like they would have uh, the unquestioned leader of the pack mentality because of what we've seen from the Phoenix Suns, the power moves that they made. The Suns, as we speak, are finalizing a trade for all-star guard Bradley Beal. Since the new owner came in, they've been looking to make a splash and they've done it now not once, but The power moves that the Milwaukee Bucks made. Blockbuster deal that lands the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Attentacupo, all-NBA guard Damian Lillard. It's a three-team trade. The power moves that the Boston Celtics have made. Adrian Wojnarowski reporting the Celtics have acquired guard Drew Holiday from the Blazers in a blockbuster deal one day before media. And then you have the Nuggets sort of laughing at them going, okay, try to catch us um, with some teams like the Lakers and Warriors who have players on them who have a handful of rings saying, here we come. So the depth of the, of the challenger class, so to speak, in this year's uh, NBA is as deep as ever, and I think that's great for fans across the country. Huge trades shook up the NBA this offseason. A unicorn, actually like an alien, has landed in San Antonio. And the king may be looking at the end of his reign in Los Angeles. But what does all of that tell us about who will be holding the trophy come June? That's the question we're here to answer with our very own Oracle of the Offseason, Brian Windhorst. As the first two games tip off out west tonight, we dive in on part one of our NBA season preview. A look at the Western Conference and whether or not any of the contenders have boosted their powers enough to unseat the defending champion Denver Nuggets. I'm David Dennis Jr. It's Tuesday, October 24th. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious, meat nutritious, in the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends, or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. All right, Brian, the NBA season tips off tonight with two games featuring four of the teams that we expect to be battling out West all season. The defending champion Nuggets 
hosting the Lakers and the Warriors facing the Suns in San Francisco. And I want to get your view on the overall landscape in the Western Conference. How competitive do you expect it to be? Yeah, so this is classic. You know, last year, Denver was sort of the best of everybody. And then the difference between the team in second and the team in seventh was basically negligible. And we saw that play out in the playoffs as the number six seed and number seven seed ended up playing each other in the second round. I think we're in the same boat. I think the Denver Nuggets are clearly the the leader of the pack, and then you have a whole bunch of teams that can threaten them. You know, Denver lost a couple of key players. They lost Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, two multi-talented, experienced, multi-dimensional players who really were sort of the glue that that you know held their stars and filled in a lot of gaps for them. That said, Jokic is back. Murray is back. Porter is back. Aaron Gordon is back. And they're all under contract and they're all, you know, healthy and ready to go. So therefore, they are absolutely the the favorites. And, you know, they were the best team throughout the whole season last year in the West. They pretty much were the best team throughout the year. You have to respect that. And then you have the grand experiment that is the Phoenix Suns. We've never seen a team turn over like this. Um, a team that was in the finals two years ago, really, that has basically gotten 14 new players and in the offseason essentially got 10 or 11 new players. They're pretty much their entire rotation, other than Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, were added to the team since the end of the season, including a new head coach in Frank Vogel. We've never seen a team turn over like this and be able to put it all together at once. Having said that, when you look at this roster, it is devastating. They have tremendous offensive talent with Booker, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant. Those three guys working together, even if they're having an off night, they're going to fall backwards into crushing you because of their overall offensive ability. They traded out DeAndre Ayton for Yusef Nurkic, who is not the same type of player, but really does protect the front of the rim. So they really are a team that is designed to win now. My instincts tell me that you can't put all this together and do it all at once. But I have to acknowledge, I've never seen a team that's been constructed this fast with this much might. And then I think when you look at what the Lakers did, the Lakers have really built out their team beautifully for over the last 12 months. The team that they had coming into last season, I hated the roster construction. I just didn't think it fit together. I didn't think it complemented Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I couldn't be more on the polar opposite of that now. I look at the way Rob Palenka has put this team together. They have depth. They have length. They have the ability to play big. They have the ability to play small. They have the ability to play fast. And what's most important is they last year after the trade deadline when they traded away Russell Westbrook and really came into their own as a team they were an elite defensive team the top defensive team in the league last year after the trade deadline and they were one of the best defensive teams in the playoffs that's why they got to the western finals and then of course you have the legacy contending Golden State Warriors who um, had a disappointing season last year because they were so up and down home and road but you have to respect that team with the addition of Chris Paul So yeah, I, I want to kind of go back uh, to the beginning here. I want to go back to the to the Suns because that that's extremely intriguing to me. Like, I, there's a lot of talk about 
some of the roster and the, and the speed of how they've put this together. And as you mentioned, that game in three, three and four against the Nuggets, the games I keep going back to, where they were just, Booker and Durant were just unstoppable. Are we overthinking this? Is it just the fact that you have three guys who can score 30 or 40 at, at any given night just going to be better than most teams on a given night? Well, we are in an era in the NBA right now where you can win high-level games with offense. You know, most of my time covering the league over now, in, I'm in my third decade covering the league, you never trusted a team that was offensively first. You always had to believe that they had to defend. And even the, the, you know, the Nuggets did defend better in the finals than I thought they were capable of, but they basically won that title last year with offense. The Heat were so afraid of their offense that they pretty much slowed the game down to a crawl because they just didn't think they could score with them. And I think that actually helped them defensively. But we're in an era right now where teams making offensive first decisions is not an outrageous uh, position. You know, they hired a coach in Frank Vogel who has designed and made the most of his players defensively in his career. He did it when he was a coach of the Indiana Pacers. He did it when he led the Lakers to a title. That was a great defensive team that he constructed with the Lakers. And so I think they're leaning on him to make the most of his of what he's got defensively. But this is absolutely a team that is designed to overwhelm you with the ball. And they haven't played a ton together, but their preseason you know, sample of that was devastating. I mean, the first time they were out on the court together, they went something like 17 of 21 in their first, you know, 12 or 14 minutes, uh, 17 of 21 shooting. And like, obviously that's a hot stretch, but when you watched it, it was all wide open green shots that they were able to create. And really this pairing between Durant and Booker seems to be at the right time for the two of them. Durant is at a spot in his career where he's willing to let go of the reins a little bit and Booker's at a spot in his career where he can handle taking that over and he wants to take it over. Whereas some people might see their team as a little bit vulnerable because they've elected to not have a classic point guard. I think Booker's at a spot in his career where he's ready for that role. And so that'll get tested. But I am stunned that the Suns haven't won a title with the amount of talent they've had and the way they've played. Looking at where they were as a team in the finals, then two years ago when I really thought they had the best team in the league, when they had a shock defeat where they basically collapsed against the Mavericks, I thought they were the best team in the league that year. They could do nothing that could surprise me. I'm a little bit hesitant because of them being thrown together, but if they won it all, it wouldn't surprise me. So the, the team that you sort of mentioned, mentioned in, in passing a little bit, the Warriors champions a couple years ago. Chris Paul joins. You already have their stars there. How does Chris Paul fit into this Warriors team and kind of make a difference for them? I don't love the fit, which is kind of one of the reasons why I moved past it. This is a complicated thing to talk about because if you just look at this statement on its face, it can be criticized, but the Chris Paul trade was a salary dump. The reason that they traded for Chris Paul wasn't because they got together in a room and said, we need Chris Paul. They traded for Chris Paul because they were trying to get rid of Jordan Poole's salary. And this was the best player they could trade for. And the reason they needed to get rid of Jordan Poole's salary is that one, he didn't seem like a fit with the team after the events of last season. And they needed to clear off some of their commitments to be able to afford to keep Draymond Green and hopefully Klay Thompson. Draymond ended up re-signing four years, $100 million, And they're hoping to extend Clay Thompson, who's in the last year of his contract, to afford everything. They needed to get the money off the books. And Chris Paul, one of his most redeeming qualities, quite frankly, 
even though they'll never announce this, is that his salary comes off the books, $30 million off the books at the end of the season. Having said that, if you were going to take a fair assessment of the Warriors, as great as they've been for the last decade, they've never had a playmaker when Steph either doesn't have the ball or is off the court like with Chris. And it does seem like they've gotten to a place where he's going to come off the bench, which I think is the only answer. I would just say that structurally, I'm not sold on it. If you are issuing a belief that the Warriors can get back to the to the finals this year, it's a vote of confidence in Steph Curry. It's a vote of confidence in Andrew Wiggins, who is in his prime. It's a vote of confidence in Clay Thompson, you know, another year off the injuries. And that's not an unreasonable position. But if your vote is that Chris Paul is a piece that is going to elevate them, I'm not ready to say that. Okay, after the break, the highly anticipated debut of Victor Wimbanyama is almost here. But Brian, I'm going to ask you to break down how he's already shattering expectations. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely. Drink wisely. Okay, Brian, when you look at the Western Conference, the other huge storyline that we must discuss is Victor Wimbanyama. He's finally here, and he's in San Antonio. He's the most hyped rookie since LeBron James 20 years ago. You cover LeBron's debut personally. How familiar is this feeling for you, and do you have a little deja vu about all this? So yes and no, because this is obviously the most hyped rookie since LeBron, I feel. Uh, you know, there were some other guys who we were excited about, but nobody on this level. And I've not known any top pick since LeBron as much as I've known Victor Wembanyama. I've spent a fair amount of time with him and his family and talking to him and learning about him and learning about his roots. So to me, it feels the same. The thing is, you know, when LeBron was a rookie, he was not good in his first preseason. Now, if you go back and find the film, you'll find him throwing some great passes. But his first three, three preseason games, he averaged like seven points. Uh, he shot about 33% from the field in his first preseason. He had uh, one game where he was four of 18, another game where he was four of 16. He had a game where he had seven turnovers. They decided right at the end of the preseason they wanted him to play point guard and they were going to have him start at point guard in the final preseason game, and the final preseason game was canceled because it was in St. John's, Newfoundland, 
and the court was messed up. So they couldn't play on it. They had to cancel the game right before the game started. And when he went and played that game in Sacramento, and he had that brilliant start. Jordan's number 23 says that's the inspiration for the number 23. He's matched Jordan's first game in the NBA. He just surpassed it. How about that? To the left hand. And you guys are both in here just finally get somebody open and they get an easy ball. Doug Christie almost stole it from LeBron James. He almost took it as an affront to his talent. And he found the ball and got the alley-oop for his seventh. That game in Sacramento, we had that great start. That 25-point, 9-6, 6 rebound game with those those steals and those great highlight plays. That was not what we were expecting. LeBron limped into that season. I mean, there was obviously promise. There was no way you'd watch him play and not get excited, but I didn't know how he was going to start. And that's what I was kind of trying to prepare people for with Victor because I saw Victor in summer league, and I know that his his frame is going to be challenged in the NBA landscape. And I still believe that to a certain extent, but he didn't look like the same player. And I was like, okay, everybody limit your expectations. LeBron wasn't LeBron out of the gates. And then Victor has looked amazing in this preseason. Look at this. Pick and pop. From three women, yeah. So we've seen everything. That was the power forward position. Yeah, he's had some moments where he's, you know, he's been humbled a little bit, but his poise, his control, his movement with the speed of the game, and most importantly, his highlights. Shot clock to three into Wembenyama. Knocked away by Victor. And a shot clock violation with the defense of the rookie inside right there. He's blocking shots. He's nutmegging guys. He's throwing in these dunks. He's... He's, you know, throwing in these jumpers. He's getting to the foul line. He looks terrific. He looks, frankly, he looks way better than LeBron did coming into his first game. While I see comparisons and I've cautioned holding down expectations, I'm having a difficulty doing it with myself. How can you not? I mean, the guy you mentioned the nutmeg. The guy did a Euro step from the three-point line into a two-hand dunk. Wemby comes over to a double. That's an interception deflection. So he. Wembenyama! The guy is pump faking from the three-point line, and people are jumping, and he's making left-hand scoop layups. Knocked around, comes back out to Victor. Six on the shot clock. He motors in the lane. Scoop shot. Oh, <laughs> dunked on Thomas Bryant, who was looking like he was a child getting dunked on by his dad. Vizel rocketing down the lane, handing away. Jack Harrison. He's showing us everything. Every night we see something that we have never seen before from this guy. And so it seems like the sky is a limit for him. But in terms of the season, what do you think is a fair expectation for him and the team? Like, is the playoff push, like, actually realistic? And is is he an all-star? Not in my opinion. That is not a playoff team. You know, I mentioned a second ago that LeBron ended up playing point guard for the Cavs. They, he played point guard because they had no other options. And it was a terrible decision. I think he was one of the league leaders in turnovers for the first two months of the year. Um, that team was not prepared to compete. And I don't think the Spurs are either. 
the Spurs are, are electing to play a lineup that is one of the most unusual in the history of the NBA. They're going to start the year basically starting a shooting guard, Devin Vassell, and four guys who play either forward or center. Uh, I guess Victor is technically a power forward and Zach Collins is the center, but their point guard, quote-unquote, is going to be uh, Jeremy Sohan, who is, you know, a forward and in some cases you consider a power forward. He definitely has ball skills, but, you know, I don't think he's a starting point guard in the NBA. And so I think the Spurs are going to take it on the chin. That said, the last time we saw a rookie be an all-star was Tim Duncan in uh, 1997. And um, I think we're going to see that as a real possibility this year because one thing is I think Victor is going to put up numbers. He's just going to score. He, the nature of him is he's built to score. He he knows how to get to the foul line. He played in a grown man's league last year in France and he learned a lot of tricks on how to get baskets. He led that league in scoring. Um, he's going to put up points. And um, if he stays healthy, I just think there's going to be such a desire for the fans to see him. And so I think he's got a real shot at it. And I also think Chet Holmgren from the Oklahoma City Thunder, it's going to be tough to do it in the West, especially if Victor's also on the team. But I think the two of them, uh, I don't know if Chet's going to have the same number of numbers because he plays with another all-star in the starting lineup and Shea goes with Alexander. But I'm going to be fascinated to watch that back and forth. And if Victor is at the all-star game this upcoming year in Indianapolis, it'll be great for the league because it'll mean that he made the kind of impact we're all hoping for. Brian Windhorst, thank you so much. Good luck this season covering everything and uh, try to get some rest sometime in the next six to eight months or so. I enjoyed talking to you about it and uh, I look forward to, um, you know, an NBA season where every single night there's something special going on and I think we've got that. I'm David Dennis Jr. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our preview of the Eastern Conference. I'll talk to you then.